Good morning and welcome to another episode of Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. I'm Adam Wright with you as we begin the 7 a.m. hour together on this beautiful and brisk, a little brisk, not terribly brisk, but brisk Wednesday morning. Let's begin our day together in prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we've got a wonderful show in store for you today. We're going to hear from Father John Hollowell about whether or not we're opening ourselves up to the demonic. We've got Father Wade Menezes speaking about the importance of family commitment. And then Father Jeffrey Kirby is going to be with us on the show, calling in from Indian Land, South Carolina. It's going to be good to catch up with Father Kirby. We're going to be talking about that old saying you've heard, the ends don't justify the means. What do we mean by that and why is that important? So that's ahead on the show today. You know, speaking of which, we've got a little bit of a conundrum at home. Beth came home yesterday from, uh, well, she was getting ready to leave for soccer practice, and she said, I've got a problem. I can't lock the door. I said, what do you mean you can't lock the door? She said, I put my key in. I can't get the key to turn. The deadbolt won't turn. Finally, after a little bit, she was able to get it to turn and to lock. But then when I came home from work a little bit later, I couldn't unlock the door. Luckily, they were already home, and they had come in through the back door, and uh, they let me in. They were kind enough to let me into the house. And so I realized this morning, well, it's time to do a little bit of repair on the locking mechanism, possibly a replacement. It's an easy job. I'm happy to do it. It's actually one of those things around the house I I really enjoy is uh, working on little things like this. But it leads me to a greater suspicion that it's finally time in our old house to address the door frame. And as tempting as it is to just rip things out... uh, you know, you, you talk about the ends don't justify the means. Well, the, the end goal is to replace the door frame, but the means of just arbitrarily ripping things out so that we can replace it, probably not the best plan of action. It's probably going to cause more trouble and more work and more headache than it's worth. So we always have to be careful. No matter what the end is we have in sight, how are we getting there? That's a question Father Kirby and I will address today. Before all of that, as I mentioned, it is a little bit brisk out this morning, 53 degrees when I walked out my front door. I absolutely love it. The kids said, Dad, we need jackets today. I said, yes, you do. I do not want one. I actually want to enjoy this chill. But what's in store for the rest of the day? I don't know. Mike Roberts does. Let's go to him now for our weather and our saint of the day. Today is the memorial of St. John Chrysostom, Bishop and Doctor of the Church. Born in Syria in the mid-4th century, his parents were Greek and he grew up in a pagan household. As a young man, he developed an outstanding ability as a speaker and then found a passion for a life in Christ. He studied at the school of Antioch before making his way into the desert as a hermit. But after several years in the desert, he returned to Antioch in poor health, which he never fully regained. He was ordained a priest, but in the process found himself involved in a battle between powerful bishops. Overcoming this, 
John became a great leader of the faithful in Antioch, known for his powerful sermons, which often denounced the abuse of power by those both inside and outside the church. He was called Chrysostom because of his golden tongue. Appointed Archbishop of Constantinople, John continued his unique brand of preaching and in the process made a lot of powerful people very angry. He was banished and then brought back when there was a revolt by Christian followers, then banished again as he refused to curtail his outspoken denouncement of abuse by the rich and powerful, sending letters to the faithful in Constantinople when he could no longer talk to them directly. In spite of attempts by Pope Innocent I to have him reinstated, John never was. He died in exile in 407. St. John Chrysostom, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. Daily Offering God the Father, I thank Thee for creating me. God the Son, I thank Thee for redeeming me. God the Holy Spirit, I thank Thee for sanctifying me. Infuse into my thoughts, words, and actions thy grace, so that they may be supernaturally pleasing to thee and supernaturally rewarding to me forever. O blessed Trinity, abundantly assist me in becoming that which thou intended me to become when thou created me. For in thy perfection I will give thee the glory thou desirest of me, and in that perfection I will find my greatest joy in heaven. Amen. It is always a delight to have Father Jeffrey Kirby with us on the show. Father, it's good to have you back with us all the way from Indian Land, South Carolina. Yes, I'm good to be with you on the show. Now, Father, we are going to talk today about uh, a phrase that I think we've all heard at one point or another in our lifetimes. That phrase is, the ends don't justify the means. And I think about some of the teachings of our Catholic faith, you know, the teaching against contraception and that cultural argument we hear that, you know, if you made contraception more readily available, abortions would go down. Or we think about those who uh, very sadly struggle with infertility and, and the culture says, well, just use in vitro fertilization and you'll be able to have as many babies as you want. And here we are seemingly the naysayers saying, well, hold on a second, we, we have an issue with that. Uh, we could go on and on and on. Uh, but more than these specific examples, that's what we want to talk about today is this idea that the ends don't justify the means. And I think for some of us, that, that can be a very difficult thing to wrestle with, to say, well, Adam, Father, th this is a really good goal that we have. This is a really good end in sight. I mean, shouldn't we just be able to do whatever it takes to accomplish that end? Yes, yes. As you're saying, we hear this a lot, and and it shouldn't surprise us that, you know, the idea of the means being whatever they can in order to justify the end is, is very popular in our culture because you know, as, as Americans, we, we have to acknowledge that we are utilitarian. So we're, we're always looking at, you know, uh, what works best, what's the bottom line. Um, you know, we're always looking at the, the machinery and the process of things and, and, and almost like obsessed a little bit with it. In addition to that, we also have, uh, just as Americans, is the gas we breathe, this uh, view of what's called proportionalism, which means basically, as Americans, we, we struggle with the idea, uh, very similar to the end, justifying the means, that if there's enough good on one side, then it can justify any evil on the other. And, and it's called proportionalism. This is actually very serious. So, for example, you can have people who will say, you can desecrate human dignity 
on one side to such an extent, as long as there's an affirmation of human dignity that's greater on the other side. Well, at the end of the day, there's no human dignity, because what wins there is the the proportionate scale, right, rather than authentic human dignity. And, And again, this is something that culturally is a part of us as Americans. That doesn't exist in Latin America. It doesn't exist in Africa. It doesn't exist in portions of, of Asian culture. It's a peculiar Western and, and peculiar American thing that this is what we do. We just want the bottom line. We want the process. And you know what? As long as good somehow is better or the higher one at the end, then we're okay with that. But the point we're making is, no, that that's not a good thing because if you're destroying all the principles and the moral truth along the way, then what at the end makes you think that somehow moral truth or moral principles are winning? All that has won, again, is that scale. Okay, you might have more good than you have done evil, but you have removed the entire foundation or the principles of discerning what is good and what is evil. Now, I know recently uh, you have been, well, really, for the last few months of ordinary time, walking your parishioners through the catechism. And I love what you've been saying about this, that ordinary time is a great time to take stock of where we are in our faith, where we are in our prayer life, but also to to learn a lot of great things from the catechism of the Catholic Church. And I bring that up, Father, because I think the difficult aspect of this, I, I, I would imagine most of us have that idea that, you know, I want to be able to say right is right, wrong is wrong, and we're not going to do what's wrong, even if it gets to an end that's seemingly right. But then that means we're saying no to things. And I, I want to go back to that example of uh, a couple struggling with infertility. I can't imagine the pain that they're going through. I can't imagine the grief that they are carrying around. I've been blessed. My wife and I have been blessed with five children. And, you know, I would imagine that they're carrying a burden, and here we are saying, look, you know, I know this person's offering you the promise that you would be able to have a child, but we have to say no to it. How do we do that with compassion? How do we prepare ourselves to, to hold that line, especially when we're now talking with friends and family about whatever issue it may be? Yes, yes, and, and I think that, that to, your, to your point in terms of the Catechism of the Catholic Church, that you know, the answers are there. And so I think, first of all, just having the answers uh, clear in our own minds, our own, in our own hearts, and then also additional reading and study that will take us beyond the catechism in order to understand specific issues. So if we have a family member that we know is struggling with something, or we see something culturally that keeps coming up, or we know we're going to get asked about it at work, or it's going to come up in, in neighborhood gatherings or something, then we prepare ourselves, because I've oftentimes found that people are either silent or react too strongly because they don't feel secure in the answers that they know are there, but they don't know them, right? So someone starts to ask about, well, why, why is in vitro fertilization wrong? And, and either person will say quiet, like, well, I don't know, or hey, whatever works for you, or something weird, or they get reactionary because they ultimately just don't understand, you know, the answer. And so, again, these emotional reactions one way or another uh, play themselves out. So I think that in with the in vitro itself, like we want to just address that, you know, in vitro fertilization is an offense ultimately to human dignity because, you know, a child should be born through a natural act of love between the mother and the father. And it's ultimately the, the dignity of the child that we are asserting and, and holding on to. Now, those who've had who've gone through in vitro fertilization and they have children, the children are gifts from God, they're wonderful, 
Uh, Adam, I'll tell you one thing that comes up every once in a while pastorally is people have gone through in vitro fertilization, and they say, how do I confess a sin when I'm looking at these beautiful kids, these beautiful children in front of me, right? And I say, well, you repent just like the child that's born from adultery or the child that is born from fornication, right? You confess the means by which the child, by which the child has come, but obviously the child is a gift from God. So one can repent of what was done while not diminishing the beauty or the preciousness of their child. But to the young couple that's struggling and trying to understand this, what do I go, what do I do, what's right, is we want to be able to spell out point by point by point that, you know, the procreative act is a unitive act, that the child should come from an intimate act of love between mother and father, and not through the work of science in, in, in a laboratory. And this is, again, something we want to be able to try to explain gently. I think the way you started it is helpful that, you know, just by acknowledging the authentic pain of the person, you know, like saying, you know, I understand, I, I, I can't understand what you're going through. You know, just that kind of that human connection and, and compassion goes a long way. I think that is spot on, Father Kirby, and and it makes me think of the importance of our own witness, that we might not know the exact circumstances our neighbor is going through, but we know those areas in our lives where we've encountered difficulty, we've encountered challenge, especially in saying yes to church teaching, which is ultimately saying yes to our Lord. It's not just the rules of the club. This is coming to us uh, from God, from the the Son of God, through the ministry of the church to say, we believe these things are right, we believe these things are wrong. And would it be easier to ignore the rules sometimes? Well, maybe seemingly so, but, you know, ultimately it comes back to something you and I have talked about before, that these rules are there not just for negatives, because we like to be the the naysayers and say, nope, can't do that, nope, but ultimately because we have a God who loves us, we have Holy Mother Church who loves us and who wants what's best for us and knows that, okay, you're going to make some sacrifice in this life. And some of it might be incredibly painful. The cross is not always an easy thing to carry, but the reward on the other side, if you can stay faithful to this, if you can repent when you've strayed and come back through the sacrament of reconciliation, if you can be nourished by the Holy Eucharist, what waits for us on the other side of eternity is far greater than any short-term gain we might get here on earth by saying, well, let's just cheat the rules a little bit, because after all, it's the end that counts and not so much the means. Yes, yes. This is ultimately all this, as you said, is is a response in the heart of the believer to say, yes, Lord, I will follow you, and then to share the truth with our neighbors so that they might receive the blessing you know, of God's grace and the abundant life that we have in Jesus Christ. So I think there's just so much work we have to do, and I think it starts with Christian believers becoming comfortable in their own faith, in our faith, and expressing that, you know, just Sometimes we just have to speak. Like the, the conversion of hearts is between the person and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know, we we can't convert anyone. We're not responsible for converting anyone. We we share truth. We speak the truth of love, as Saint Paul tells us, and then we step aside and we let the Holy Spirit work. And for some, it's a quick conversion. Thanks be to God. For others, it takes some time, and they have to work that out between themselves and the Holy Spirit. But our part is we have to speak the truth and try to make the truth as appealing as possible. As you say, it's not some naysayer. We're not trying to repress people or rob people's freedom or anything of that sort. We're trying to say, look, you know, there, there's goodness and there's tranquility that comes with goodness, and there's an abundant life. I've experienced it. I love you. I care about you. I want to share this because I want you to have this abundant life, too. I want you to have this tranquility, this peace of heart. 
And that's why I'm sharing this small truth with you. Amen. Amen. Friends, it's uh, a difficult thing to do in practice, but it's one that we have to do each and every day. So as Father said, don't underestimate the importance of studying your catechism and then even going beyond that so that you can speak truth in these difficult times and these difficult issues. Father Kirby, I want to thank you for being with us again on Roadmap to Heaven. Could I ask you to offer a prayer for our listeners? Yes, absolutely. Let us pray. Father, we ask your blessing upon your people who seek your faith, who desire to walk in your truth, who ask for the fortitude and the love to share your truth with others. May you bless us, keep us strong, help us always to follow your way through Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, for more on Father Jeffrey Kirby, you can check out He's got a lot of books out there. Just type his name in the search bar. You'll find him out there, especially if you're looking how to speak truth to some of these moral issues of our times. He's got a great book on that as well called Sanctify Them in Truth, and you might want to check that out. In the meantime, Father, thanks again for being with us. We're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Stay tuned. A prayer for priests. Oh, my God. Help those priests who are faithful to remain faithful. To those who are falling, stretch forth your divine hand, that they may grasp it as their support. In the great ocean of your mercy, lift those poor unfortunate ones who have fallen, that being engulfed therein, they may receive the grace to return to your great loving heart. Amen. Precious blood of Jesus, protect them. We pause here in the middle of our week for our daily dose of encouragement with Patty Schneier, where this week we are talking about St. John Chrysostom. Patty, take it away. Well, I love sharing St. John Chrysostom with all of our listeners this week. My birthday is September 13th, which is the feast of St. John Chrysostom. So I've just come to love this saint as he's walked with me. His name, Chrysostom, means golden mouth. He's the patron of speakers and preachers and learning about his life and his last words, glory to God for all things. That's kind of a summary of what we talked about Monday and Tuesday. Today, I want to share with you the prayer of St. John Chrysostom after communion. And I found this to be beautiful. So often, what do we really say to our Lord after receiving him in Holy Communion? And I love reading some of the prayers of the saints to help me make a really good Thanksgiving after communion. Instead of being distracted, instead of, you know, watching some of the people return to their pews. It's very hard for me sometimes to really focus during that time after Holy Communion. So prayers of the saints I find helpful. So I'm going to share this one with you. Prayer of St. John Chrysostom after communion. Here it is. I believe, O Lord, and I confess that you are truly the Christ, the Son of the living God, who came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. And I believe that this is truly your own immaculate body, and that this is truly your own precious blood. That's it, pure and simple. It's really an act of faith. I believe you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. I believe that this is your body. I believe that this is your blood. It's beautiful. It's a simple act of faith. So maybe you want to look that up. It's the prayer of St. John Chrysostom after communion. And let's just all pray. St. John Chrysostom, pray for us. Patty, thank you for sharing another prayer with us, one that we can pray after receiving Holy Communion. It has been a great encouragement today.
And we certainly want to wish Patty Schneier a very happy birthday on this Wednesday morning and thank her for all she does for the daily dose of encouragement uh, over the past. It's, it's been two years now. I can't believe we've been receiving those encouragements for two years. The time has been flying by. So happy birthday to you, Patty, and uh, to everybody celebrating a birthday today. Before we sign off, I want to invite you to join us for Seek First, September 30th. Uh, from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. This is an event that is put on by the Archdiocese of St. Louis in conjunction with Focus. Uh, if, if you don't know Focus, let me just tell you about the good work that they're doing on college campuses and now in parishes across the country and the world. Well, their conference last year at the America Center had 17,000 people here all in love with Jesus and in growing deeper in their faith. And they're coming back in January of 2024. But as a, a kickoff to that, a, a let's get ready celebration. Curtis Martin, the founder of Focus, and Archbishop Rosansky will be giving uh, two talks at St. Louis University High School on Saturday, September 30th from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Covenant Network is very happy to be sponsoring this event and partnering with Focus in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. We're going to be there. I'm going to be there. We're going to have some giveaways for you. I would love to see you there. I love meeting you, the listeners. But more important than that, it's going to be a great afternoon to grow in faith together. You're not going to want to miss it. Now, it's a free event, but registration is required. And so you just go to archstl.org, archstl.org, and they have a uh, an image in their rotating carousel. Or you, you click on that, or just go to archstl.org slash seek, and you can find out more information about Seek First. Again, that's the event coming up in just two weeks, September 30th, 2 to 4 p.m., St. Louis University High School, free event put on by Focus in the Archdiocese of St. Louis, sponsored by Covenant Network. We're going to be there. We'd love to see you there. And then we're also going to be at the Seek Conference in January. You can find more information on that. And we're going to be talking about Focus and Seek a lot more on the show in the coming months. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit spirit as it was in the beginning is now and ever shall be world without end amen mary mother of the church pray for us saint joseph terror of demons pray for us in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen well don't open yourselves up to anything that could uh, be dangerous today don't open yourselves up to the demonic most importantly draw near to the father and you do that best by going through the son with the holy spirit the closer you draw to god the more you are under his protection and one very surefire way to draw close to our lord is to go through the intercession of his blessed mother praying your rosary. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. Thanks for listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Father David Skillman's going to be with us tomorrow morning. Until then, pray your rosary today.